Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's another edition of the Ultimate Podcast here on this Sunday, January the 14th, 2017. Of course, I'm just Mike Silva. You can uh, get me all the time at MetsPrizeOnline.com. You can send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and uh, you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Hope everybody's uh, having a great weekend. I think it's a long weekend for some people, with uh, a number of you probably celebrating the Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday. So if you're off on Monday, enjoy that. Of course, check it in and finally have some hot stove news. Uh, I said the last time we were on, we had Howard Megdal on earlier in the week, and it was cold, and the hot stove was as cold as the weather, and the weather warmed up a little bit this week. So if you had snow on the ground, it's probably gone, and maybe the hot stove is starting to thaw out. And the Mets jumped in the fray with some news. And no, it's not just the arbitration news with all the different figures that came out on Friday. But the Mets finally signed a player, a player that you're all familiar with. And that would be Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce returns to the Mets three years, $39 million. And then uh, last night, late last night, Bob Nightingale reported. And I think both the Jay Bruce and the uh, Adrian Gonzalez move has not been confirmed by the Mets. But it's pretty much a done deal. Uh, Bob Nightingale reported and uh, has confirmed that the Mets have signed Adrian Gonzalez to a league minimum deal. And that was something I think we all, since Gonzalez was traded from the Dodgers to the Braves and subsequently released, figured, hey, if the Braves are on the hook for about $22 million, then, um, you know, why not take a try? So both these moves uh, start to clarify where the Mets roster is going to go. Let's start with the Bruce move first. And real quick, uh, joining me in just a little bit, uh, will be Matt Eholt of The Record. He's going to join me, Mets beat reporter for The Record, and he'll break down you know, where he sees the Mets and, and the moves and whatnot. So looking forward to hearing Matt's take. But uh, let's start with the Jay Bruce move. I think this is a good move. Uh, you know, Bruce showed me a lot last year. He was awful when he came over in 2016. I think we all agree, and I've talked about this, that it's not easy for someone who spent their entire career in one place to come over in the middle of a pennant race 
and all of a sudden be perfect. If you, and there's no way of, I guess there is a way, but there's no way to really dissect it. But a lot of times these moves that happen at the trade deadline, if you really looked at how the player performs, I'm not sure they perform all the time exactly as you expect them. I also don't know if they perform exactly as to what their career norms are. Now, you do have some exceptions. You go back in Mets history, and the Mets traded for Daryl Hamilton and Sean Dunstan at the trade deadline in 1999, and both played a big part in them making the playoffs and, and nearly going to the World Series. A year later, they acquired Mike Bordick, who gave them enough of what you would want for a veteran shortstop at a position they needed because Ray Adonias was out. And, uh, you know, I would say that Bordick probably didn't give them exactly on both ends of the ball both sides of the ball, what, what they wanted. And, and that happens. And sometimes when you get traded midseason, your whole world gets up, up overturned. There's all that upheaval. It has a huge impact on a player. And then they get thrown into a, a foreign space, and there's an adjustment period. And the adjustment period on August 1st to the end of the year is not very long, and there's really no learning curve because the games have, are of utmost importance. There's no spring training. So anyway, Jay Bruce showed me a lot. He came into spring training last year. Everybody had written him off. Everyone thought he was going to get traded. Everyone you know, had this narrative that he can't handle the New York media, he can't handle the New York pressure, and he basically told everybody in spring training, you know, quite frankly, all that's hogwash, it's BS. And he went out there, he had a solid year, he went over to Cleveland in the deal after the Mets were out of it, he had a pretty decent postseason, and I'm bringing up his numbers over here, and I know that uh, you know he had 278 against the Yankees, had a couple home runs, won a pretty big one, so... When the stage was high and you know he was needed, he was there for uh, the Indians. And um, I know the Indians blew that series, but I don't think Jay Bruce was the reason for why uh, that happened. So, uh, you know, Jay Bruce uh, on that contract, uh, bringing him back, it does put Michael Conforto in the center field role. I've always felt he's better in the corners, but here's what you could probably do: if you don't have to trade Lagaris uh, to free up Sally, which that's a big if right now, I'd be. Curious if the Mets are looking at whatever he's, uh, you know, Lagaris is about to make. Uh, you know, I'll bring that up in a minute here. But if that's the case, if they have to trade Lagaris, then, you know, pretty much you're committed to Conforto as a center fielder. If Lagaris is still on the roster, you could certainly, and Lagaris is scheduled to make about $6.5 million next year. So it's not a huge number, but with the budget, with the Mets are probably about $140 million right now. And they probably they definitely still need an infielder, and you would like them to maybe get another reliever, or maybe get, uh, you know, potentially a starter. I don't think they're going to be able to do all that. They're going to go with what they have. You could always bring Lagaris in for defense late, move Conforto to the corner, and then either sit Cespedes or Bruce, depending on um, you know who is, I guess, a bigger defensive liability. Personally, I don't think. Uh, but it should be a defensive liability, but he does have groin issues, and you may want to have uh, you know have that in the back of your head. So, to me, there's no there's no downside. They've got the power that they needed. This is an impact bat. Uh, you know, guy who's going to give you 30 home runs, driving 90 runs. He's average defensively. He's not going to hurt you. And you hear from everybody involved. Steve Gelbs talked about it. Pretty much anyone who covered the the team in the last Matt Eholt about it. He's great in the clubhouse. Conforto talked about it. Now, he helped them, especially against the left-handed pitching, his approach. Those are the kind of guys you want on the roster. And in a lot of ways, I think Bruce replaces the kind of production that at one point you were getting from Curtis Granderson when Curtis Granderson was in the middle of the uh, recently expired four-year deal. So, uh, you know, to me, you, you really have your Curtis Granderson back in Jay Bruce. Now, the Adrian Gonzalez move is a little bit different because that one is going to bother a lot of fans. And mainly it's going to bother fans because they're going to look at the Mets taking on an over-the-hill player. And they very well may be right. But to me, there's really no downside to Adrian Gonzalez. The only thing that I guess is a bit of a head-scratcher, which means if he signed a big league deal with a 40-man roster spot, uh, they, they feel he could play. He had back issues last year, herniated discs. Uh, you know, his, his year was a washout, the worst year of his career. He's north of 35, so uh, he's actually he's going to be 36 this year. So he's on the wrong side of his 30s when it comes to you know where you want to be. But I look at it this way. He's making the league minimum. He's got a very good track record throughout his career. 
even in recent years uh, with the Dodgers, uh, 2014, 2015, 2016, he was a 111 to a 130 OPS plus guy. That's essentially what you were going to get from Lucas Duda, who was the other name being mentioned, who was the guy that you were penciling in over the last couple of years. I think he's a guy who gets you 15 to 20 home runs. He could drive in 70 to 90 runs if he's healthy. He's going to give you a good enough glove. I don't think he's going to be the gold glover anymore, but he's certainly going to be good enough at first base. And most importantly, he's going to push Dom Smith because Dom Smith now has to come to spring training. He has to earn a job. And he's going to have to really work at it because when you have an Adrian Gonzalez there, even though he's making the league minimum, you're going to be real careful. You're going to think long and hard before you release him. Because once you commit to Dom Smith, there is no fail-safe anymore. I mean, yeah, Wilmer Flores, maybe you can move Bruce over there. And before Gonzalez was signed, there was talk of maybe Jay Bruce spotting at first base. But I don't think that's what the Mets want. Mets want Bruce out there. You don't want to start messing around with guys and putting them in foreign positions because then that's when you start messing with their offensive game. And even though I think Bruce could certainly play first and you probably want to do a little better job than Terry Collins just throwing him out there at spring training like obligatory and say, hey, maybe you could do this. You want to actually get him in, getting him some reps, so in case he needs to be there for a week, he can do it. Um, you know, to me, there's really nothing about Adrian Gonzalez that's a negative, other than if you want to make fun of the Mets and say, oh, look, they're signing an over-the-hill player. He's not 45. It's not like it's Rafael Palmero who's trying to make a comeback and hasn't uh, played in a decade. It's not like that. So, uh, to me, if, if, if that's, if, if, if that's going to bother you, Adrian Gonzalez, you've got to get over it. It's no different than when they brought Jose Reyes in a couple of years ago. He was making a ton of money from Colorado. Uh, he was making the league minimum with the Mets. Uh, what's the harm? And he came here, and I know he's been spotty, but he's had his moments, and he's helped at times. And for the record on that, I think the Mets should bring Reyes back. I don't think Reyes deserves a 40-man roster spot. I think the best that Reyes can get at this point, and I don't, I don't think you would get it from anybody else, is an invite to spring. He could probably get it somewhere else, but... I think he wants to be with the Mets. You really want to show that you have something left. Come to spring training on a non-roster invite, major league invite, non-roster player. Earn your position, and you tell the Mets, hey, you got to tell me by March 15th, let's say, whether I can make the club. Because if I can't, release me, and then I can go out, and I have a couple of weeks left in spring training to prove myself. Maybe a little earlier than that. Who knows? And then you have someone to push Rosario, because the worst thing you want, and why a guy like Gonzalez, and I said this all offseason, you've got to have some kind of veteran bet for these guys. That if either one of these guys turns out to flop, uh, here it is in, in March, and Dom Smith looks awful against, let's face it, in, in spring training, you're going to get a lot of uh, you know, double-A pitching at times. And Rosario doesn't look good. Or you know, even if they make the club, and at some point, uh, and I think this is a little bit easier with Rosario than it would be with uh, potentially Dom Smith, because I think if Dom Smith is the starter, you're not going to keep Gonzalez on the team. But Rosario, you would keep Reyes. If they, you know, month, two, three weeks in, look like this is just not, they're not ready, or they, you know, they, they're, they're, not, they're not playing at a level for a team that wants to compete, then you have your veteran backup. You're not scrambling, because in April and May, you're not going to find any. You're not going to find anything of value. You're not going to find anything of quality. You've got to get it now. You've got to get it in the offseason, and you've got to have those veterans. I don't think Gonzalez nor Reyes, if, if that was an option, uh, are options for AAA. I think they're going to come in, and they're going to have to prove themselves in March. And if they prove themselves in March, they'll be on the roster, and if they don't, they won't. And it's as simple as that. Now, where do the Mets go from here? And we'll get Matty Holt up in a minute and hear his thoughts, and I know that you've probably been reading a bunch of stuff and, and what have you, but you know, to me... The infield position, the way I would go is I probably would try to sign Todd Frazier. I think that's the guy. Uh, you know, he just seems to be a grinder. He seems to be a winner. He, he's a, a guy that could fit into that on-base uh, mindset. You're seeing that even with Adrian Gonzalez, uh, who, who the Mets signed. You know, Bruce isn't a total on-base guy, but he's not bad. Uh, you know, you could go and get Frazier. I know Cabrera at second doesn't excite people. But I also think that if you bring Reyes in as a non-roster invitee and he can make the team, maybe you could slide him at second. I don't know if you could expect the Mets to sign both Frazier and Anil Walker. And remember, all these guys, Gonzalez included with the back, are all going to be risks. They're all coming in with some kind of wart on their game. Maybe Frazier's the one with the least amount of warts on his game because other than the fact that he doesn't hit for a very high average, he's a pretty good player. 
I think playing in his hometown on an extended basis, I think, would do him wonders. Um, you know, anything you do with Neil Walker, he has back issues. You know, if you and there was talk of before the Gonzalez signing, the Mets bringing back Lucas Duda. Uh, you know, he has bad back. You know, he has uh, an issue with his back. So where the Mets are at after the arbitration uh, numbers, I mean, the only player that they haven't finalized yet who very well may go to arbitration is Zach Wheeler. The Mets payrolls at about 140 million. Last year they were about 154. They want to come in underneath that. I'm not sure how much they have to spend. You know, if it's about another coming in underneath could mean 150, 153. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe they have to move a Juan Lagares uh, and his six million. Uh, we'll see. You know, it depends. But the Mets have shown when there's the right value for the player, they've shown that they'll go out and they'll make the deal every time. As much as we, you know, we had Howard on earlier in the week, and I know that there's issues financially. I know that they're not your typical team in New York, your typical team. They're not managed with the long-term budget ability to uh, finance the club. Yeah, it's almost a day-by-day thing. And I, and I understand that's not the way to have this uh, you know, happen and be successful, but that's what it is. That's how this is going to go. I mean, there's nothing to, to, to say about it. It's reality. It's the financial position that the owners are in. So when they see a good value, when they see especially on a short term, they jump. And I think that Frazier could be had for that. I think you know, Walker could be had for that. I hear that some are proponents of Eduardo Nunez. I haven't seen him a lot at second. You know, He's definitely a decent hitter. I think Wilma Flores is kind of there, Eduardo Nunez already. I'm not sure you need Eduardo Nunez, but he does provide you the element of speed, and, and, and he's a little bit ver- more versatile than maybe a Neil Walker and certainly a Todd Frazier. Uh, but I really like Todd Frazier. I think that's the move I'd like to make. I was disappointed. I thought they had a chance at maybe signing another reliever like Addison Reed. Reed went to Minnesota for two years and $17 million, and it makes a ton of sense that Addison Reed would do that. Because I, I, I see some people say, oh, you know, why, why sign Anthony Swarzak when you could have had Reed for pretty much the same amount? Well, Reed, first of all, wanted to play in the Midwest by the reports, number one. Number two, he's going to get to close in Minnesota which means the next two years he could put up big numbers as a closer and be young enough to go out and get himself a decent four-year deal as a closer on the market. And I think that's what hurt Reed this offseason. He did not close for anybody. Even though there were big numbers being thrown at setup guys, he was falling on the back end of that. He revived his career with the Mets. He really never got a chance to close for an extended period of time, a little bit with uh, Familia when Familia went down. But I think Having the ability to close over a couple of years, showing that he can do it consistently, and he can be as good as he was as a setup man, and he was really good as the Mets setup man, um, you know, would, would, would put him in a different position uh, financially. And I think that when you put all those factors in, I don't think the Mets had a shot uh, of, of competing for Addison Reed services. So, so that's where we're at. Uh, again, this team, Fangraphs has them about an 80-win team is currently constituted. Uh, that's going to be what with everything fairly conservative, I would say, on some fronts. That's not a bad place to be because there's a lot of upside still with this team. I think there's a lot of guys with things to prove. You've heard Syndergaard talk about it and so on and so forth uh, with Kevin Kernan earlier this week. Look, you can talk all you want. It's going to start. Pitchers and catchers report in a few weeks, less than a month. Uh, before you know it, it'll be March and there'll be games. Players have to prove themselves, and the only time that uh, any of this talk matters is on the field. And I still believe that you'll see some action this week. I think there'll be some activity. And I think it'll make for some interesting talk as uh, we head into the back half and the final weeks of the hot stove and the, and the off season. So anyway, let's take a quick break. When we return, Matt E. Holt of the record. Let's hear what he has to say, his thoughts uh, about the Jay Bruce move. Who can we expect the Mets to move off of the 40-man roster? Because that's going to be a, uh, a situation that has to be resolved because both Jay Bruce and Adrian Gonzalez have major league deals and have to be put on the 40-man, and the Mets don't have any openings right now. And, uh, you know, what else? What does he expect them to do? What, is he, what kind of move does he expect them to make as we head into the final weeks of the offseason? You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time on Twitter, at Mike Silva Media is the Twitter handle, and you can check me out at MetsmorizedOnline.com. We'll be back with Matt Eholt of The Record right after this into his own in that clubhouse and uh, he was really really impactful with a number of guys obviously I know you guys already spoke about it but Michael Conforto uh, he had a major impact on Michael Conforto and and his continued development but the one player that I think would surprise some people but that Jay Bruce um, 
clearly helped develop even further was actually Jacob deGrom. And uh, Jay Bruce was, was put next to Jacob deGrom in that clubhouse. They were consistently talking. And what you saw, I thought, last year out of deGrom was someone who, on and off the field, matured even more and continued to develop into this player that was able to maximize his abilities and, and start to become a leader in his own right, a lead-by-example type of player on that pitching staff. And that's really what Jay Bruce is. He's a very no-nonsense, lead-by-example guy, um, a very team-oriented guy. And so I think from the perspective of the clubhouse, uh, this was a desperately needed signing just to get a player, whether it's Bruce or someone like Bruce, back in that room because after that trade deadline last year, they really lost a lot of that veteran leadership. Granderson, Bruce, Neil Walker, all those guys gone. And there was a real void there at the end of the season last year. And for a team that wants to win this season, you do need guys like Jay Bruce in the clubhouse. Well, I, look, they, I have heard they still are exploring the McCutcheon thing, but at the same time, they, I think they know their biggest need is an infielder, second base or third base. I'm writing for, uh, it's up on the website now for tomorrow, is that I think Nunez, Eduardo Nunez is a perfect guy just because I think they need speed and athleticism now. Bruce gives them some power. They, they, they fit, led the league in home runs last year, finished ninth in runs scored. They were last in stolen bases. Reyes did give them some speed, 24 stolen bases, which is the same as Nunez, but Nunez is four years younger. He get, He's more of a dynamic offensive presence. He was really good for the Red Sox down the stretch last year. I had a scout tell me who, who was covering the Red Sox for an AL playoff team. He didn't think, he thought the Red Sox might not have held on in the AL East without, uh, if they didn't have Nunez. So I think he could play second or third. I think he's probably a little bit better at second, and you leave Cabrera third. I think he'd be perfect. Well, up here is what does this mean now for Dom Smith? In your gut, do you think this now makes Dom Smith a trading chip, or can he still go to down to Port St. Lucie and win the job at first? I think they. I still think they're going to bring him to camp. I don't think because I don't think his value right now is all that high, where you could uh, maybe get as much as they think he could be worth. I think he'll get a chance to come to camp, and he's going to have to. Yeah, obviously, he's going to have to have a really good camp because that's why they're bringing Gonzalez in. If he if he doesn't look good, they'll play him at the very least. So it puts a lot of pressure on him in spring training coming off of uh, what what he hit, 190-something uh, in the big leagues, although he did so, show some power. Uh, a lot of scouts still think the guy can be a really good major league hitter. Uh, I think they need to take a long look at him and give him every chance in spring training. We're back and joining us, Mets beat reporter for the record, Matt Eholt. And, uh, you know, cold off season, warming up a little bit, just like the weather here in the Northeast, a little bit. And he's joining us now. Matt, welcome to the program. So finally something to talk about this week, huh? A, a little bit of action in uh, not only baseball, but specifically for the Mets. Yeah, the hot stove has finally had a little bit of a spark, uh, <laughs> seemingly the first time this winter. Uh, good to see that, you know, there was something finally to report on here. Jay Bruce is, I think, a pretty good move. I know he's a one-dimensional type player, but you covered him last year. Good value on the contract. We know the Mets' budget's tight. And, um, you know, look, the guy's going to give you 25, 30 home runs. I think he'll give you about 90 RBIs. He was pretty good in the postseason at times. And the one thing that doesn't get talked about, and you would know better than anyone covering the team, is that it, it seems like he's a pretty good clubhouse guy. Michael Conforto talked about that a little bit. Uh, so do you like the move? I, I think the Mets have a pretty decent outfield when healthy. Yeah, I like the move. I think there's really – I mean, if you look at the team's needs going into the uh, offseason, you, you could have made the argument that they didn't need an outfielder or you could have made the argument that they wanted – that they need an outfielder. It really depends on what is your value of playing Juan Ligueras every day. There's obviously some in the Juan should play every day camp, some who think he's better as a uh, defensive replacement. I tend to lean toward the latter, although I certainly recognize why people want to play every day. You can't you can't say anything bad about the move because of the value. I mean, three years and thirty nine million for a player like Dre Bruce, and yeah, you know, you know what you're going to get. You're probably going to get about two fifty average, twenty five to thirty home runs, and then you know whatever many RBIs, and, you know, you're going to get solid defense in right field. I mean, he's not going to win a gold glove, but he's got a good arm. But, yeah, so I think overall it's a solid move. The Mets got good value for the move. Uh, Also gave them, at the time, we thought a little bit of first base insurance. And as you mentioned, the clubhouse factor is important there because the one thing that really slipped for the Mets down the stretch last year was leadership in the clubhouse. You know, when David Wright is not there every day, 
it puts the, you know, I don't know if burden's the right word, but other guys have to step into that role, and some guys aren't willing to do that. Jay Bruce is one of those guys who is. And, uh, you know, the, the one dynamic of a clubhouse that sometimes, you know, uh, when fans are not in there, they don't see every day is somebody has to talk after every game. That's not, you know, the big bad media. Somebody does have to be accountable. And, you know, when David Wright's around, he's that guy. When Granderson was around. But with those guys, when they're not there, when they're not playing, it falls to somebody else. And down the stretch for the Mets last year, that became an issue. So now that they have Jay Bruce, they kind of have that guy. He can answer the questions for the clubhouse. He can show guys like Conforto. So, you know, all around, really, there, there's nothing – there's nothing to to not like about this move other than if you just look at it from the perspective of are they just bringing back the 2017 Mets? That's a good point. And you mentioned Lagares, and now you're probably committing to Conforto for the next couple of years in center field. I don't think they'd put Cespedes because of the leg situation there. That 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 boat that boat sailed. Cespedes is, Cespedes yeah. is not playing center field. That boat. Yeah, done. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think. But see, Conforto has done much better than I expected. He's got a good arm. Maybe late in games, you shift him to a corner and put Lagares in if they want to keep Lagares and not move the salary. How comfortable are you with Conforto in center field? Let's talk. You know, let's assume he's healthy, the shoulder, everything. Uh, how comfortable are you? You know, 150 games with Conforto playing center field. I think he's shown he's athletic enough. I mean, the question might be as he grows and adds strength and develops, is that still the same case? Is he as strong and such as he was in the past? I mean, Conforto is an athletic enough guy. Sorry, I mean, is he as good in center field as he has been in the past? Conforto is a good enough athlete that he can play the position. That's not an issue. The question just becomes, what do the Mets, uh, you know, like you said, what do they do really with Ligaris? And the other thing is, you know, I had somebody mention to me the other day that the Mets have, and, and I mean, this is, not anything groundbreaking here, but the Mets realize that they lack in speed and athleticism. You look at their offseason so far, they've done nothing to address speed and athleticism. So, you know, at some point the Mets are going to have to kind of, you know, put some emphasis on those because you look at the way other teams are building their clubs, and that's kind of the direction that the game is going. Teams are valuing these athletic, you know, uh, you know, Outside of Rosario, the Mets really don't have guys that are, uh, you know, speedy and athletic. Yeah, and they just, I mean, this is the move I know that's you're probably on your Twitter t- timeline and, and what have you are getting some chatter about. And I don't, I don't really think it's a big deal. The biggest deal is about the roster spot. But the Mets sign Adrian Gonzalez. They're going to pay him league minimum. Uh, I know they were looking at Duda. Dom Smith has been a topic of conversation. You saw him. He didn't impress. You know, he was very unimpressive, I guess, for the, 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 the big prospect that he was, or he is, I should say. Uh, that doesn't mean he can't come and get into shape and still hit. I think he's been somewhat of a controversial guy because of his weight. I don't think this is a bad move, Gonzalez. They could release him if it doesn't work out. They're not on the hook for anything more than a half a million. It's just like Jose Reyes. The big thing is the roster spot, which is crowded now. Uh, your thoughts on Adrian Gonzalez, who was signed last night? Yeah, you kind of hit up what I, you know, I, I tweeted last night uh, about the move. And, I mean, that's my thought. It, it's a one-year deal. There's no risk, and he's not being paid. If the Mets were giving Adrian Gonzalez, like, $5 million, I would completely understand anything. But, you know, I, I tweeted this out last night. I think it's fair. The best-case scenario for the Mets is that Dominic Smith just runs away with the job, and they have no need for Adrian Gonzalez. And then they can just cut him. They can cut him the same way they cut Adam Wilk, all those guys. They can part ways with him. He's making the league minimum for the Mets. So this is not something where it's like, you know, the Mets are on the hook for him. One other scenario, if Smith kind of struggles, they give Gonzalez time. If he's adequate, they allow them to give Smith some seasoning. Best case scenario, Gonzalez plays great, Smith plays great, and then they have a little bit of a trade shift. I mean, it's... It's hard to kill the Mets for a deal that has no downside to it. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything to be up in arms. I know some people did not like the move. I mean, hey, let's be honest. Gonzalez might not even be better than Smith at this point. I've had people tell me that. So, you know, I just don't see any real reason to hate this move because it really doesn't affect the Mets. The only thing I think, there was two things to this element that I've wondered is, Smith and Gonzalez are both lefties. 
So people had talked about, you know, hey, if you're going to get a guy to kind of split time, take the time away, why don't you get a righty? Now, the Mets do have Flores, so I guess that negates it a little bit. And the other thing, like you mentioned, was the roster spot, which is, and this will be a question Sandy Alderson will, uh, you know, surely address when he speaks to the media uh, at some point this week about Jay Bruce and Adrian Gonzalez, is, you know, if the Mets have Smith and Gonzalez on the roster at the same time, they're committing two roster spots to first baseman only. That, especially if they are going to have a 13-man bullpen, which they have talked about, you look around, you're going to have two catchers, so there's two. If you have two first basemen, that's four. You have Rosario and Cabreras and Flores, so that gets you up to seven. You have to carry four outfielders, so you're at 11 right there. And the Mets do not have a – so you add that second baseman, and that's your roster, and then essentially – are you are you okay with Wilmer Flores and Wilmer Flores and Gonzalez being your only backup infielders? So that that's yeah. the the other side to it. No, that is a great point. I, my gut says they play it out in spring training. Smith gets sent down. I don't think they carry both. But when you look at the roster now, they're gonna and have that's to probably move. and to be fair, that might be what they do. And again, like I said, let's say let's say Gonzalez completely flops. Let's say last year was let's say he, he's done. They cut them, and it cost them nothing. I mean, it, it's, it, 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 you know, like I said, the, the 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 biggest argument I think someone could make against this move was if you say, I would have rather have spent X million to sign Adam Lind. And that I would understand, that if you say, hey, I would have rather paid the money for the guy who's coming off a great year uh, with the Nationals. That I could completely understand. But just on the – just evaluating Gonzalez alone – I mean, again, they they can get out of it so easily. I mean, you're, you know, they're they're taking a flyer on a guy who's good in the past and hoping that it's going to pay off. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to follow Matt on Twitter at uh, at Matt Eholt on uh, Twitter, uh, the roster spot. Uh, Gavin Cassini might be up here. Uh, Matt Reynolds, uh, Kevin McGowan. The Mets forty man is packed. They need to get rid of two individuals off the spot. They need to to move them, either move them in a trade or. Uh, move them off, which means they could lose them. What you know, they have a gut of what they're going to do. Uh, you know, do you feel it'd be risky moving? You know, a former first round pick like Shashini? Um, uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's not as important, but I know that's going to get talked about because God help these guys go somewhere else and play well, and Gonzalez gets cut. You know what's going to happen there. Right, right, and, and uh, hold, let me take a look at the 40-man for a second, to be honest, off the top of my head. You know, looking last night at, at some of the options, I, I mean, you know, it, it, like you said, McGowan is a guy that sticks out that they could potentially uh, part ways with. Reynolds is another one. You know, Chikini, it just seems hard to see them giving up on a first-round talent, especially with Sandy Alderson. You know, you give, you give your first-round picks time. You know, those are two guys who potentially stick out, especially if they have C.J. Rivera coming back uh, at some point if they believe he's going to make it back. So, you know, the Mets have, hey, when you make moves, you got to, you know, uh, you got to make some, you got to, uh, you know, you have to make some options here. So they're going to have to figure some things out. And obviously they had to protect some guys in this year's 40-man draft. So, you know, there, there are certain things the Mets are, are going to have to do. But, you know, when you look at it, you probably, Reynolds, is the, it, you know, it depends on w- within the internal thinking, essentially. Reynolds has shown to be more capable at the major league level than than Cicchini has so far. But the one thing is, Cicchini has the first-round pedigree with him. And, 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 you know, I mean, let's be honest at the moment. You know, Matt, Matt Reynolds is a fine player. Let's cut Matt Reynolds. That's not going to be a move that sets the franchise back. You know, Absolutely and he's a good not. player. He's a solid player, but like, if you have to part with the guy, you, you know, you would hope they they they're gonna hope that Wilmer Flores and the other guys can do that. Chikini can maybe do that. Now Chikini's defensive skills are, but you know, like they also have some guys, you know, uh, you know that they could try. You know, uh, uh, Luis Guillorme uh, is on the forty man. He's pretty good defender. You could call him up. So, uh, you know. It, the move might mean one of those guys, uh, but certainly, you know, the two you mentioned, Reynolds and McGowan, at the moment seem like candidates. Uh, Addison Reed signed yesterday with Minnesota, a deal very similar to Anthony Swarzak. Now he's going to close the reports that he wanted to be out in the Midwest. 
uh, makes you wonder uh, how serious the Mets were in on him. Uh, you know, I understand it from a reach standpoint. If you want to be in the Midwest and you're going to close, you come back in two years, you make more money. Uh, so if the money was the same, why would you take the Mets offer? Uh, but there is talk. Why would you go with Andy Swarzak, whose resume uh, is not as good as Reed's in recent years? And uh, Reed, who pitched really well here, I think was a fan favorite, quietly a fan favorite. Uh, you know, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, in, in, again, you know, <laughs> you know, somebody tweeted me at, uh, yesterday about I put out a poll on this, and somebody was like, well, aren't you talking about essentially recency bias? They're like, it's not fair to say, well, this is what Reed got, because they said, did you expect it? Nobody, I think, thought Addison Reed was going to get two for 17. Now, if you look at it, you could say, well, you know, I mean, let's be honest here. Would you rather have Reed for two for 17 or Swarzak? I think you'd rather have Reed. He's been the more proven guy, so you take him. But certainly, you know, Swarzak is a fine pitcher. I mean, I mean, that's not I, – I think the Mets got a good deal. What I think the Mets did, I mean, you know, when, when you look at it compared – look at the way that the, uh, the relief market moved this offseason. So what did the Mets do? They had a chance to get a guy who, you know, was coming off a very good year, and they pounced on it. They got him at a, a, a affordable rate, team that's on a budget, and they pounced on it. And I, you know – I don't think anybody thought that this is what Addison Reed was going to have to settle for. So if you don't think Addison Reed is going to be gotten on a two-year deal, you pounce on him. Now, certainly you could say, well, the Mets should have waited him out. But then, you know, there is risk with waiting him out because he doesn't get it. I mean, I don't think this is something you kill the Mets for. But certainly when you look at it and the way it, it developed, you can certainly be like, yeah, you know, you, you would have rather just uh, wait and, and re-sign Reed. We have Maddie Holt with us from the record. A uh, couple of uh, things before we wrap up and let you go. Um, and again, appreciate you coming in on a weekend. Uh, the infield, you mentioned they need an infielder. Now, there's some talk of Todd Frazier. He would be a third baseman, move Cabrera back to second, and then maybe you bring in Jose Reyes as a non-guaranteed, and maybe he comes in and he does some kind of uh, spring training uh, you know, rehearsal of some sorts. You know, maybe you go back to Neil Walker. That's another uh, Jay Bruce-type move, bringing the band back together. And now that Jared Cole was dealt, the Josh Harrison stuff is still out there, although there's never really been a lot of traction with the Mets in any trade. I know they turned down the Kipnis situation over money. Uh, There's a lot of different ways they could go. It sounds like they really don't want to move Cabrera third, and they feel they could still play every day. I know he could hit. I don't think he's that bad defensively at third. We don't have enough data there. Uh, where would you go? What do you think this is? Because uh, this is complicated because there's a lot of different scenarios that could play out as soon as this week. You know, the direction I would go, and this this doesn't mean this is the direction the team would go because, you know, like I would personally add a starting pitcher this offseason because I don't think you can trust the starters this year. I would look at Eduardo Nunez because, as I mentioned before, this team lacks speed and athleticism. Now, Nunez is going to make boneheaded plays. You're going to have to live with it. What does he have? Speed and athleticism. He's young. He can play multiple positions. He's a guy that I would take a chance on. I also think you look at what he did last year with Boston. He's a guy who can hit for average. He can hit some power. He can hit some doubles. And he can play multiple positions. I do think now, I think Todd Frazier is a quality player. I think if the Mets got him, it would be a good move. He's good in the clubhouse. You kind of do look at that. If you're looking at sometimes what some of the knocks on the Mets construction of the lineup has been, it's a little strikeout home run oriented. Now, not that there's anything wrong with the home run prospect of it, but the Mets really don't have that many guys that are hit for average. So Nunez can kind of hit for average, gives the lineup a little bit of a different dimension, in my opinion. And like I said, I'm not trying to be one of the guys here who say home runs are bad. They're certainly not. But the Mets seem to have a lot of a certain type of guys. I mean, how many games, you know, did would you see where basically, if the, you know, if the Mets didn't hit the ball out of the park, they couldn't score. They really never had that guy who, you know, maybe just hits a double. So I think Nunez brings a certain element that some of these other guys don't. Now, certainly you can make the case, well, Josh Harrison does the same thing. You could say that um, – you know, uh, Cesar Hernandez, a possible tar- uh, trade target, does the same thing. But when we're just talking strictly about guys that you can sign, the Mets don't have a good farm system. So if you don't have a good farm system, then in my opinion, it's like, well, you might as well sign Eduardo Nunez. Absolutely. 
Uh, one other free agent named Jonathan Lucroy was connected to the Mets. I'm not sure they're going to move one of the catchers and sign Lucroy, although a couple of years ago that would have been a great fit. Uh, you know, there's some questions with him. Uh, to me, there's just some you know talk there. Maybe there was some kind of brushing over. Uh, you 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 don't foresee them moving away from the Darno Plawecki scenario going into spring training. All indications are they're not. Now they certainly could. I, I mean, you know, hey, I mean, maybe if Lucroy wants a deal for like one million, they might say, yeah, we'll we'll take a shot on that. But I, I mean, certainly uh, they have not given any indication that's what they're going to do. And I mean. The thing is here, Darno is going to be up for free agency soon. They got to find out what Pilecki is. I mean, you know, they have, uh, they have, you know, uh, Thomas Nito in the wings. Like, you know, the Mets kind of got to figure out what their situation at catcher is. I mean, I, I don't think Travis Darno at this point has shown that he is a future, you know, the future catcher like everybody thought he was going to be. So, you know, the Mets certainly got to figure some things out. You know, the last thing here, uh, the Mets roster is. I mean, they look. They've taken hits this off season. And there's certainly a lot of questions, and certainly they could have a bad year again. But it's not a trash roster, and I think everybody's forgetting about no, that. Certainly, certainly, with some certainly reasonable moves, with some reasonable moves, let's say it's a Nunez. There's many ways that we've talked about where this could go over the next couple of weeks. I don't think you're going to be reporting on a team that you will feel can't compete in some capacity for a playoff spot come spring training, You know, knowing that within reasonable amount of so good things the- could happen. But what's the bar there? Now, let me just say that. And I'm not saying this to be a negative analogy. But when you say compete for a playoff spot, with five teams competing for a playoff spot and the second wild card being, you know, sometimes 80-something wins, that's not a high bar to set, to be honest, nowadays. Like, unless you really flop like the Mets did last year, like, most teams can say, we were in the race till the end. So, like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like, I, I don't think that's a high bar, though. For the Mets, like, like for the to say, I think they should be able to contend. I, I, I think the question is basically right now: Are they, are they anything more than just one of those teams who, yes, we will be in the mix? Like, you know, do they, are, are they even in the stratosphere of the Nationals right now? And to be honest, at the moment, I don't, I don't think they are. Like, I, I look at the Mets right now, and I think, and this, to be fair, is answering your question. I think the Mets are in that low 80s about win total right now, which puts them in the hunt for a wild card spot. But, like, I don't think right now the Nationals are, are uh, I, I don't think it's close at the moment between them and the Nationals. No, that that's fair. And, look, uh, I don't think they should rip it up. And, you know, come July, they're still floundering, and Matt Harvey's still not Matt Harvey. You know, maybe then at that point you look at, do you rip this thing up? Do you trade the Grom? Do you really go in full rebuild rebuild mode? I just think everybody well, that's, has that's either the, that's you're the one interesting of the top five angle. or you stink. Every fan wants you to be top five. If you're not top five, you stink. And I think baseball is more complicated than that. It's not the NBA. It's, it's not that situation. And that's where I think a lot of people have talked about it. And they're almost trying to make well. Make MLB, it. I think, is is maximizing your assets more than other sports because, like you said, you look at the other sports. You know, uh, football, you tank, you get a top two pick, the guy comes in and starts for you next year. Baseball, you draft a guy and you pray that he's going to be something for you in, in five years. I mean, look at how many busts there are throughout history. So I think you're 100% right that the, 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 the tanking philosophy in baseball is different in the sense that the, it's not so much the draft pick or what you finish with your record. It's maximizing your assets. Like, you know, you look at the kind of the way the Astros, they cleared the roster so that they could get all these guys kind of on the cheap, and then when they were good, they built up. Now, also, they got a Carlos Correa. Okay, that, you know, certainly that helps and stuff. But, like, you know, you look at – I think you just made a fantastic point with Jacob DeGrom. Okay, let's say the Mets flop this year. Let's Let's say they're injured again, nothing's going right. DeGrom is a valuable, valuable asset. I mean, look at what the look at what the you know the Astros just traded for, and I'm not saying it's a good package, but you look at what the Astros just traded for uh, traded for Cole. Jacob Degrom would bring you back a much much better haul. I mean, you know, you're seeing this stuff about what they asked the Yankees for, what they compared to what they asked the Astros for. The, the, the Mets are going to be able to ask people for, hey, we want multiple top 100 prospects. We want blue chippers. We want an Alex Bray. So. If 
the Mets do go down that road, and let's just say this season's a flop again. Yeah, then you really need to look about the turnover and really how can we maximize the assets that we have who are with, you know, to try and clear this roster. Because I think you made a, a good point that basically this Mets roster is not, it is built to win. Whether they, you know, whether they win 80 wins or not, it, it is, in theory, a roster that is built to win in this window. Absolutely. So what do you got coming up? Obviously, you're going to be uh, probably at a press conference with this whole Jay Bruce thing. I'm sure the hot stove will heat up. Uh, you got anything you want to let the listeners know about? Anything you want to put out there? Obviously, you can get you on Twitter at Matt E. Holt and at the record uh, website, NJ.com. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, next week uh, we got some things coming up. Uh, expect Jay Bruce to be introduced at City Field uh, this upcoming week. Uh, you know, obviously I'm not sure yet if they would do an Adrian Gonzalez press conference, but they will be doing a Jay Bruce press conference this week. And then just, you know, uh, stay tuned. Obviously leading into spring training, we'll be going over, uh, you know, some of the storylines and such heading into that. And there might be some, you know, more access here and there depending on what they do. And obviously uh, just stay tuned because, you know, the Mets do need a second baseman. So that's something to keep an eye on. And they could talk to you about UConn sports if they so desire. On oh, nobody wants to talk about that right now. When, That's when, true. You and I can't when, argue when, about Terry Collins anymore, so we have to find something new to argue about during the summer. When, when Tulane <laughs> is a big win for your program, you know you're uh, you're in a really bad spot. All right. Well, listen, you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the time. I know you're busy out there. Take care, my friend. All right. All right. Thanks for having me, Mike. Have a nice day. That's uh, Matt Eholt, the record, at Matt Eholt on Twitter. Good stuff. Uh, I think he was moving this week, and he told me. So the fact that he took some time out for us is, is really cool, really kind to him. So let's take a quick break. We'll uh, we'll wrap up and uh, final thoughts and schedule and give you an idea of uh, what to expect out of this podcast over the uh, coming weeks as we head into the final weeks of the hot stove into spring training. And there's still a lot of hot stove that probably will spill into spring training. So we'll be right back right after this. Hey, Mets fans, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now that's Mets M-E-R-I-Z-E-D online.com and get Metsmerized today final thoughts a good segment from Matty Holt there I thought it was very interesting stuff and he's another one that's a proponent of Eduardo Nunez so uh, it appears that um, um, you know that that there's a lot of support for Eduardo Nunez and that kind of player, and it'll be interesting to see what'll happen. So anyway, um, I did promise you a little bit of an update on the schedule. Uh, this week should be interesting. I'm sure there'll be some news. I'm sure Sandy Alderson will talk with the media regarding Bruce and Adrian Gonzalez when those deals are official. Be, you know, the, it, it's almost like we're setting up, we're speculating on what's next. And when Sandy Alderson talks, that'll give us a little bit of a better idea of what can be next. Is it even realistic for the Mets to make another move? They need an infielder. We know that. Uh, We do want to dive into the Hall of Fame situation. I'm working on a pretty cool guest for that. So hopefully I can get that guest for next week. And uh, usually we just do a Hall of Fame show, but with the news and the the late-breaking nature of the offseason, we may need to do somewhat of a hybrid show. So stay tuned. Um, you know, next Sunday we're penciling in as the next show, the next time. Obviously, if something transpires during the week, we'll see how that you know works out. But it'll be interesting to see nonetheless uh, how the rest of the offseason goes. But we finally have something to talk about here. Hey, we're out of time. Uh, of course, I want to thank Matt Eholt of The Record for joining us. You can check him out on Twitter, at Matt Eholt. And you can go to NJ.com to check him out on a daily basis, his columns and coverage of the Mets. Of course, you can check me out at MetsmerizedOnline.com and Twitter at MikeSilvaMedia. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and if you have a long weekend, enjoy that too. 
We'll be back next week. Stay warm. Stay well. See you soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.